0: Hi, this is Kristen Cabrera, reporter-producer from the Texas Standard. One of the coolest things about working on the show is getting to tell stories from my community, like this one I did on high
1: school UAL Mariachi. But you know, this is Texas. You'd be hard-pressed to go a week without hearing. Dun-dun! Listen anytime to the Texas Standard, wherever you get your podcasts.
2: From KUT and KUTX Studios...
1: Hey there. You're listening to This Song, the podcast where artists talk about the songs that formed and transformed them. I'm your host, Elizabeth McQueen, and for a decade of my life, I was a touring musician with the band Asleep at the Wheel. And my favorite moments were always before or after the gig when people would sit around and play the music they were into and tell you why they loved it. I got off the road a couple of years ago, but I still long to talk to musicians about music, and so... I created this podcast because, in my opinion, musicians are the most beautiful when they're talking about the music that changed them. Before I go further into this episode, I want to let you know that we'll be talking about some very heavy issues in this interview around physical and mental abuse and alcoholism and murder. Make sure you're in a good space to hear about those things before you listen to the rest of this podcast. So in this episode, you'll hear from Allison Moore. She's a singer and a songwriter. She writes mostly in the Americana and country music veins, and she just released a book and a companion record, both titled Blood. The book and the record explore her childhood growing up in a household with an alcoholic and abusive father, and it centers around this true tragedy. When she was 14, her father killed her mother and then himself outside the house where Allison and her sister and her mother were staying. I talked to Allison live at Waterloo Records here in Austin, Texas. She was in town for a book signing and then later a show at the Cactus Cafe. And she told me about how hearing every little breath you take by the police when she was a kid showed her an entire other world of music.
0: I was 10 years old. I had for the very first time my own radio in my room. It was just a little clock radio that I had gotten for Christmas. I was in sixth grade. It was cold. And I heard this song, and I thought, hmm, I like how that guitar sounds.
2: Every breath you take step.
0: How I had that thought when I was 10, I don't know. But so I was into it. But when it got to the chorus, after oh can't you see that transitional note that the bass makes that passing chord i went what on earth was that You know, I grew up in South Alabama. My parents were musical people. But our house was mostly filled with country music. Not a whole lot of pop. And the pop that we did have was older. So this was very much of the moment. And I thought, what is this? And somehow I connected what was happening in this song to all the songs that I knew. But I knew there was something different about it. And it was like a door I walked through. Because at that point, I really started investigating pop music and what was going on besides what my parents were into and what they listened to on the radio.
1: You grew up in a household where you mostly listen to country music and you were surrounded by musicians, right? Uh,
0: yeah, um, my mama grew up in a musical family, so she was very um, natural about music and it was just a way of life for her. So she taught my sister and me how to sing harmony and it was something that we did as a family. And in fact, I don't remember a time in my life when I wasn't doing that. So my grandmother tells me I was about three when I started singing harmony. Wow. I know. That's wow. crazy. But that's, you know, it's not that I'm an alien. It's that I was immersed in it. Always. It's what I heard. So that
1: uh, is what my ear went to. But mostly country music. Was that mostly, mostly? country
0: music, old tunes, you know, everything from Jimmy Rogers, Hank Williams, all that stuff. Hear that lonesome
2: whippoorwill. He sounds too blue. To fly the midnight train is whining low I'm so long some I could cry
0: I've never she big band in pop vocal groups from the forties because my grandmother had an amazing record collection
2: he was a famous trumpet man from all Chicago way. He had a boogie style that no one else could play. He was the top man at his craft. But then his number came up and he was gone with the draft. He's in the Army now, a-blowing Reveille. He's the boogie-woogie bugle boy of Company B. They made him
1: blow a bugle Did you go away from listening to country music at that point? I did. I did. I, I didn't really want to listen to what they were listening to. And if you didn't want to listen to what they were listening to, did you also not want to play that music? mm
0: i at the time I wasn't um, you know, I played with my family up until about the time I was about twelve, and then I decided that I wouldn't do that anymore, but those were for that was for more personal reasons rather than musical. at that time when I was about you know eleven twelve, things had gotten pretty dark, so i I pulled away from being part of the, the family singing group.
1: And so was this really the the first time when you identified a music that you liked that had nothing to do with the context of your family? It was. And that was part of what I liked about it. Uh, you know that that
0: time was really pretty rich for for pop music. Everybody complains about the 80s, but
1: Oh, the 80s were so child great. Of the 80s, I dig it. And have you have you taken this love of pop music into the music that you've you've made as an adult?
0: Always, always. I don't, you know, I'm one of those people who doesn't really consider genre. You know, I just uh, put trumpet on an acoustic song on my new record. (laughs) So I don't really pay attention to those lines. I don't think there's any need in them and I don't think anyone, um, most people who make music don't really consider them. Yeah. So um, I, I, I think it's fascinating to think about the melting pot of influence and how we never really know where something's coming from.
1: Coming up after the break, Alison Moore explains why she finally knew it was time to talk about her childhood in her new memoir and record, Blood. One of the things that you kind of talked about, um, about... That you said was that playing music with your with your family it became very dark and kind of kind of dangerous um, and you've just released this new book and you've just released a companion album about this this complex and dangerous time that you grew up in, and specifically around the time that your father i'm sorry, I find it hard to talk about, and I'm sure you come up against that all the time yeah. um My parents died in a murder-suicide. My father killed my
0: mother and killed himself when I was 14. So um, I've recently completed a memoir about my childhood, which includes a lot of details about that. Um, It's also set in three parts. Part three is in present day. Um, So it's a lot about reflecting upon what growing up in an abusive and an addicted household adds up to for people who grow up with those um sorts of damages done to them ain't
2: no way to know what's going
1: really talked about in your work before I think I read you wor- you wrote one song about it that you kind of hid on a on a record mm-hmm. um, and I guess my question was what was it about where you were now that you were ready to to write this record and to write this memoir because I think that as I just kind of very well illustrated we don't live in a society that really has a lot of tools to talk about tragedy or grief. And no. so moving mm-hmm. in the world and talking about these things, it, it must just in some ways be easier never to talk about them.
0: Well, what's interesting is I knew that, but I didn't know it as well as I know it now. <laughs> and the, um, one of the greatest gifts um, that has come out of my writing this book, releasing it, and doing a tour around it, is what I see is a world that is in a lot of pain because, and the reason I know that is people want to come to me and tell me their stories. And the common denominator among all of us is we all have parents and none of them are perfect. No one had a perfect childhood. So um, maybe the story is not as extraordinary as mine is, but everybody's got their something. And um, I think it's good for people to be able to say it out loud because saying something out loud reduces the shame that surrounds, surrounds whatever it
1: is.
2: Darkness all around
0: before I became a parent Um, about six weeks after my son was born this would this was in 2010 I was asked to be a guest on Maya Angelou's radio show of course I went and um, we were talking about everything she's telling me about her telling me about her background and asking me about mine and she asked me about my parents and I we discussed it just a little bit and she said okay well, now you have John Henry, my son. And she said, what are you going to tell John Henry when he's old enough to ask? And I didn't have an answer. So for whatever reason, that question put the seed in me to write a book. Now, it took me a couple years to figure out how I was going to do it. I started this book in earnest in the fall of 2012, and I finished it in the summer of 2017. So it took a while. It took a lot of rewriting. Um, But I thought at the time that I needed to write our stories down so that my my son would have an opportunity to know his grandparents through some other way other than what has been put in the media, which has reduced them to these two figures who were tragic and died in this way, and that's all they were. Well, that's not all they were. So I I, I wanted him to know um, who we were, and therefore he would have a better handle on who he is. Um, on deeper investigation, I realized that I did write this book for my son, but I wrote it so that I could be a better parent to him. And that, because it led me to investigating my history, because it made me look under all my rocks, because it made me look at what the reverberations of a childhood like I had are. Um, and it made me get to work on making those results better so that I could be a better mama to my baby.
2: And it don't matter where you've been Through the thick, through the thin Say a prayer and say my name I am the keeper of the flame and you don't have to explain. I got your blood running through my veins.
1: And then how is, bringing it into the world, how has it been to share this story so openly when before you had kept it close?
0: There are parts of it that are fine. There are parts of it that are highly exposing. Um, they make me feel very vulnerable, you know, to admit that. You know, there's so much shame wrapped up in a story like this. Domestic violence is shameful. We're told not to talk about it. And that starts in at home because 99 times out of 100, if a woman is being abused, what she tells her children is, don't you say anything about this. And when we do that to our children, our children become people who do not trust themselves because they're being told that their inner voices are wrong. And that skews your filter in a way um, that is um, really damaging, I think. When you're told to deny those things, when you're told, nope, you're not seeing it, nope, you're not hearing it, and nope, you're not feeling it, and don't you say anything about it. Well, that's, that's a big blow.
1: Has music been your way to connect to that part of yourself to be able to hear that?
0: I think music is a, a little bit more complicated for me. I have definitely done a lot of um, emotional processing through, through music, and I don't think I've ever made a record that didn't deal with this on some level, and I've been mining this territory for a long time. And one of the reasons why I'm so happy to be in this moment is I feel like I don't have to do it anymore. I've told it as well as I can tell it, and I don't have to return. I've written a book. I've made a record. I'm done. Um, so I don't have to drag that into my art anymore, which is really freeing. And it makes me think, what am I going to do now? There's no telling. (laughs) Um, because my family was musical, it's a, it's a bit of a, there's, it's, there's a bit of edge to it because I feel a strong connection to my past through music. Um, and that's good and that's bad, you know, it, it depends on where I am with it, how I feel about it, um. I love that my parents made music and that I'm able to carry on their dreams. But I also realize I can't be doing their dreams. You know, I have to do my own.
1: So um, it's yes and no. Was there a point at which, when you look back, you think I might have been doing this for my, for my parents?
0: I don't think I did that on a conscious level at all. But I see how I have drawn them into my work. And, and maybe, you know, that's, maybe that's great. Maybe that's... Um, who knows? Who can say? Again, it depends on the day. It's complicated.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I really love about this project, both the record and reading the, the excerpts from the book, is that you do paint a very complex, kind, and generous picture of a childhood that most people would reduce to... It was a terrible childhood. It's like, you're very, you're very generous to your father. You're very generous to your mother. You're very loving to your sister. Um, Well, I think that's because I'm
0: trying to reconcile all those things because what I know is no person is one thing and no person is reducible to one act so you know I've had people say to me how can you have a spirit of forgiveness for your father and I think of well first of all um, I don't think that I'm able to completely say I'm going to condemn you because first of all he was my father. So you can't deny the bonds of love. And I can't deny his good qualities. And I think everyone is worthy of forgiveness regardless. So in this book, we all need forgiving. We all need compassion. We all need empathy. So that's just where I wanted to come from with that because that's where I want to live my life.
2: The night was hot and steep. And crickets played their tune.
1: This Cold Cold Earth by Allison Moore from her new record Blood, a song that tells the story of her parents' murder-suicide. Allison will be on tour doing a show around Blood. It's a mix of storytelling and song, and you can find a link to those tour dates on the show notes page for this episode at kutx.org. KUTX is the radio station in Austin, Texas where we make this podcast. You can also find a link there to order Blood, both the book and the CD. And I have to say that this episode was hard for me, as you could hear in the interview. I mean, I did my research, I came prepared, but when it came to actually talking to Allison about her childhood trauma and tragedy, I couldn't do it. I found myself faced with a limit to what I would allow myself to talk about. And as you heard, I was very lucky because Allison was kind and generous and understanding. I think she comes across some version of my reaction a lot being out in the world and talking about this work. So few of us know how to talk about tragedy and grief, but work like Allison's, it helps all of us develop a better language around those subjects. And that's it. You have come to the end of another episode of This Song. We'll be back with a new episode featuring the band Metric on January 9th, and in the meantime. can check out our archive we have a ton of episodes that you can listen to during the holidays this song is a production of KUTX 98.9 in Austin Texas it was produced by Art Levy and me Elizabeth McQueen thanks to Deidre Gott and Todd Callahan and Peter Babb for all they do for this podcast and yes it is true our theme song is Mahout by Austin's own hard proof right on thanks for listening talk to you next time